So the readings are definitely all about prayer and the need to pray and the challenge in prayer and why we do get frustrated when it seems like, how come God's not answering me? And do I have to keep knocking and keep asking because I've been asking for weeks or days or months or years? And we could go there, and I do want to just kind of highlight the fact that our Lord does tell us we are to pray. You can ponder why we need to pray. Isn't God in charge of everything? What's our role? Why do we need to have an influence? But God wants that influence. And God perhaps has designed reality and creation and history around our, our role as well. And so some things might be hinged upon whether or not we pray for them. So we do pray. But that also we also realize in ponder that our Lord is, is a God who sometimes waits, sometimes tests our faith. Sometimes allows things to be unanswered for a while. We just have to come to understand that and get on that same frequency with Him so that we don't misunderstand the moments when God seems silent. He's not a dishonest judge. He's a Father. So all the more we're called to pray with Him. And I do encourage you if you want to ponder that, but we are on this, this day for the family, this day to really ponder the gift of the family, the gift of life in this Respect Life Month of October. And a lot of times there's, there's challenges for us, in, 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 especially in this day and age, with, with lots of options. And the fact that St. Paul said this to Timothy kind of convinced me to say at least what I can about some of these tough life issues. But um, he says, I charge you, Timothy, Father Steve, Church, you, all of us, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge everyone, Proclaim the word when it's convenient and everyone likes you, and when it's inconvenient and they don't like what you're saying. Proclaim it anyway. Teach, reprimand, correct. Call out mistakes and teach. So in the light of that, there's a lot we could say about the reality of, of, of human life, the beauty of human life and the role of the family to walk with and protect human life from the womb all the way to the tomb, to be there for it. And I'll share with you that the main teaching of, the, of, the, of Revelation, if, if God has said anything, and He said a lot, but the main thing is that your human life is worth everything. It is the highest value. When our Lord God, His only beloved Son, lays down His life, God's divine life, as an exchange for you, your human life, what is the value of your human life? Which is why the church then takes the idea of human dignity, human life is sacred, because that was the price of it. It is not to be taken lightly. And if human life is the high, one of the highest values, then one of the low, lowest evils is the intentional taking of human life. You can't do that. We can come up with a lot of scenarios of what if this, what if that, what if the other. Well, the bottom line is you can't intentionally take a human life. A lot of times I hear people share, and it's one thing you don't want to tell Father Steve, Father, I never knew the church taught this moral issue, that attitude towards life, or that life situation, or this other issue. I never knew that. Don't say that, because we're going to talk about it. And other times I hear people say, oh my goodness, the church's views on these life issues, they're anti-science, or anti-technology, or anti-woman. Like, stop. Because if you're presenting it wrong, it's perceived wrong. And we don't have the right to perceive it, to present it wrongly. Don't worry, I'm hearing these little voices and they're saying, Father, just, you know, we are alive, we're precious, we're awesome, and you are. So we might give you the abbreviated version of this. But um, think of it too, 
bullying, okay? There's all this talk about stop bullying, no bullying, everyone should stand up against bullying. So whose fault is the bullying? The bully himself, like picking on the guy who's defenseless? Or the other person or the teacher, whoever else doesn't do anything to protect him, to stop the bullying? Which is why these issues are in all play. Everyone's responsible. It does take a village. It does take a whole community to take care of each human person, each human life. We're going to run through just a list of the typical issues we hear about, and I'm not going to do them any justice individually, but just want to skim the surface and remind all of us mainly that if you're dealing with these things, or if a friend of yours is dealing with these things, you deal with them with a huge red flag. And you make sure, maybe getting second and third opinions and researching and talking to people before you go forward with something like these things. And of course, the one that we hear a lot about recently is the abortion issue. That's kind of a big deal lately. It should be. Contraception has a lot of things wrong with it, but especially certain contraceptives which are abort-efficient that cause the death intentionally of that new, newly conceived life. Those are there too. We've got to be aware of those. Researching. The church is not against stem cell research in general, but if certain stem cell research involves intentionally killing the conceived human life, hang in, hold on a minute. Because there's other kinds of stem cell research which are perfectly fine because they don't take that risk of a human life. We talked about contraception, those who feel like they can't have another child now, and what are their options to look into? What about those who, who want to have another child and they're not impeded? The fertility clinics and fertility issues, those are big. Some of them are perfectly fine. But there are a few, IVF and others, which definitely cross the line when it comes to putting life at risk. Letting human lives be intentionally killed for the sake of some supposedly higher good. Careful. Red flags. Go deeper. Look for other options, perhaps, first. Eugenics, when it comes to birth, like eugenics, like the idea of, like, well, those who have imperfections or, or handicaps, well, those shouldn't live because that would be a miserable existence for them, so we're going to make sure that they don't live, and we're going to perfect the human race. Wait, that's not, that's not right. You cannot intentionally take a life. And then you get to all the end-of-life issues, you know? So-and-so, well, they're past the age where they can do any good for society, so we should just kind of, you know, help them move on to the next life intentionally. You can't. Assisted suicide, euthanasia, all those things. You get to the death penalty. It's real. You don't, no one has that right to take a life. Not even my own life is mine to take. God gave it, and I owe it back to him. There's so many things we could say, but that's kind of a, a summary list of things that when they come up, we shouldn't be too confused about the fundamental issue. Jesus says, whatever you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did to me. To me. What you did not do to protect the least of your brothers and sisters, you did not do to protect me. Sometimes I hear too, Father, I don't think the church should talk about politics. It's not politics, it's faith. It's what Jesus told us. That's how you treat one another. That's how you don't treat one another. That's who is your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? The guy next door? Or the little one who's defenseless? Or the elderly person who's defenseless? Is it my role to, am I my neighbor's keeper, my brother's keeper? Yes, we are. I know, uh-oh. A few confusing arguments that pop up every now and then, just confusing ways of thinking that are sometimes making this harder than it should be. 
oftentimes you hear, well, the end justifies the means. So I may believe that intentionally taking human life is always wrong, but sometimes it's good to do wrong as a means to a higher good. That's not right. That's incorrect. I was actually stuck by the, one of my favorite movies is Batman Dark Knight. And throughout the whole movie, you're telling Batman, kill the Joker, just kill him. There's no other way you gotta kill the Joker. He's terrible. He's twisting society. He's trying to just kill him. That's all the Joker wants Batman to do is to kill him, to break Batman's moral code. And in the depths of his heart, you realize Batman actually has one moral code. Life is sacred. It's not mine to take. Not even the Joker's. That was a kind of a death penalty movie, but really, like, that's, that's the reality. Like, it's, you, you can't. You cannot do evil for the sake of good. I don't agree that intentionally taking a life is wrong in all cases. I think morality is subjective. I decide what's right and wrong for me. No one can judge me. I agree. I can't judge you, but we're talking about actions that are to be done or to be avoided. And this is the one to be avoided. It may be complicated. Well, my doctor said it's okay, or my priest said it's okay, so it's okay. Stop. Wait. Get a second or third opinion if it's dealing with the intentional taking of human life. Research. Talk to other people. Just get a full awareness of what you're about to do before you do it. There's another line of thinking which I kind of call the, uh, the imperfect world argument. It's something like, since people seem to die all the time by accidents or natural tragedies, whether it's the elderly, or the middle-aged, or even in the womb. Therefore, it's not wrong for us, sometimes, to intentionally take a human life. There's a big difference from accidents, or natural disasters, or natural loss of life, to intentionally taking human life. Big difference. And the latter is never okay. It's interesting, because I deal with sometimes a police officer Police officers, will, will, they're in the line of duty, sometimes, it, or soldiers. It is their duty to stop evil. And sometimes you try the, the smaller thing, the, the, the handcuffs or whatever else. Sometimes you're left, you have to pull your weapon. You've got to pull the trigger. And I've walked with soldiers or police officers who shared the struggle. And even though it's true, they did what they had to do, I think they're right to still not feel okay having taken human life. Which is weird in a society where sometimes you hear the, the cry and the effort to like, no, it's a right of, of human beings to take the, the life of another human being. It's a natural right to do that. It's not. And there's something very wrong with it. And even if all I did was press the button that fired the missile that killed a thousand people, I didn't see it, but I'm still responsible for it. And it's still a tragedy. We can leave it at that a little bit, but it's, it's, it's sticky in our society. Think about this for what it's worth. If I were alive in Nazi Germany, and it was legal to mistreat Jews or to kill Jews, or the whole Holocaust was legalized killing, the government said it was okay. Does that make it okay? No. And we're supposed to learn from history. What makes it wrong? The law makes it wrong. No, the law can make a mistake. There's something deeper than the law that we're supposed to be tuned into. And when in doubt, God shows us what's right and what's wrong. Especially in these areas. 
It's sad because a lot of times you hear the same voices who are open to some terrible things are criticizing the church. Oh, the Catholic Church in the Nazi situation should have done so much more to stop it. Well, I don't disagree that everyone should have done so much more to stop it. But it's important that the legalization of immorality doesn't make it any more moral. It's not okay. And then when you are blessed to live in a democracy, which means law by whom? Rule by whom? Rule by the people. Who's responsible for the laws? We are. The good ones and the bad ones. So it's our job to make them as good as, well, as, good as we can. Voting, it literally is cooperating in whatever happens, the good or the bad. And in ethics, you talk about cooperation in evil. When is it okay to cooperate in evil? I didn't shoot the guy, I just gave the gun to the person who did. Well, you're totally cooperating. When you cast your vote, you have an awareness and some intentionality of the outcome. The platform you're supporting or whatever else, it's complicated, but don't simply dismiss, I am cooperating in that outcome. If, there's, if you're voting, if you're in Nazi Germany, the outcome that you voted for, the blood is on your hands. And if there are issues of human life, and you intentionally voted against, or for the platform that was intentionally against those lives, the blood is on your hands, my hands. That's why they make the distinction in ethics about remote cooperation, too far away, you did whatever, it wasn't really, or proximate. You made it possible, directly. They do say, especially in moral issues that are complicated, you're supposed to weigh the issues, because not all issues in politics have the same moral weight. If one side of whatever, one political party is in favor of, um, sadly, like, that stealing should be okay, stealing candy should be okay, because it's just candy, I don't know. And the other side is like, well, killing should be okay, because it's, you know, burdensome life, you should kill it. Those are two very different issues that weigh very differently. Even though both are wrong, one weighs more, and is taken, therefore, more seriously. But sometimes what we have is, too, in a, in a democracy, different parties have different platforms, but some platforms have more moral weight or immoral weight than others. I will say recently, and again, we learned from history, it's one thing to say, well, apples to apples, here's one moral issue and the other moral issue, but like, like, like we said, some moral issues weigh more, and one side has an apple, the other side has a watermelon of a terrible moral issue being supported. In recent situations, there was, there's a difference between life issues on one side or the other side of the political spectrum. There's lots of confusion, even among Catholics. But the movement today, I don't, you don't, look, at, I don't look at individual people, but I, I feel like I recognize movements that there seems to be movement removing inhibitors to the intentional taking of life. In other words, ideally, it would be, in most cases, not okay, illegal, and the community would help stop you from making that tough decision of taking a human life intentionally. So maybe it's illegal, or it's illegal in most cases, with some exceptions. And then you, and when it's legal, maybe you need the second opinion of your doctor before you go forward to take a human life. Maybe you need your parental consent. All these inhibitors to make sure you know what you're doing, and you've done everything else first, before you have to take a human life. But there's a movement, it seems today, at least on one side of the political spectrum, of removing the inhibitors. 
so that a 14-year-old girl, without any permission from her parents, any second opinion from a doctor, just goes ahead and takes the life of the unborn child, and it's okay. That movement is not okay. That's where it gets very sticky. Even the death penalty right now in our society, as wrong as it is, we've put in place many inhibitors so that it's still single digits in our country, those who actually have to face that situation. It's terrible, but there's so many inhibitors, whereas on the abortion issue, we're like remo- intentionally trying to remove inhibitors. And that blood is very much on our hands. We can't simply say like Pontius Pilate, I wash that blood of Christ from my hands. I'm not responsible. That's not true. That's not true. And I'll finish with this. The person, I think John Paul II said this, reminded us, the person is the only creature in creation created for his or her own sake. The person, you and I, you are an end in yourself, unto yourself. God wanted you just for you, not for some means to something else. And you can never reduce the human person to a means to some other end. Whether research or fertility or something else, like you can never reduce the person to a means. And that life, when you say you're pro-life, it means you understand that all life, all human life is a gift to be treated as such. Raise your hand if you, when you were growing up, were a burden on your parents. Anybody was a burden on your parents when you were growing up, right? Come on, raise your hand. Don't hide from it. So at times, let's face the facts, okay? At times, whether you're little or elderly or in the hospital, life can seem like it's got some burden, some elements. But life is never a burden. It's never to be reduced to a burden. It is always a gift. And it's never mine to take that life. And the point is this. The church, Christ, our faith, it is not there to say, oh, you did this while you're in that dark corner over there. You don't belong here, you evil sinner. Like you have that label on your head of what you did. That's not what this is about at all. And that's where I think it's important that you all, all of us, be informed lest we present the wrong idea of what we teach about human life. But I will say this, I watched, and it's beautiful in some respects, like, what is the one thing the church says you're supposed to do if you realize, wait, I've done those things, I've taken intentionally a human life along my way, or I helped someone else to do that? What's the church say? Where do you go? You go right there in the corner, in the confession, not in the corner, you go to the confessional. Because our Lord wants to forgive it. Our Lord wants to unburden the heart that should be burdened rightly if it knows it did that on purpose. The church walks with us. The church tries to say with us as we walk in the difficulties of this broken world, like, hey, this is what you should do. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't, don't. Oh, you did it. All right, you did it. All right, fall. You know what? Come back to God's mercy. Bring it to God's mercy. And let's keep walking. That's our attitude towards every person. Woman, child, man, grandfather, great-grandfather, unborn, born, defective, whatever you want to call it. Whatever, it's a human life. You hear it in, in some media sources, oh my gosh, like especially the abortion issue again, like, well here you go talking about the, the value of the child, but what about the woman? Well, I'm sorry you didn't know, but for the last hundreds of years, guess who's on the front lines? of giving up their time, talent, energy, and treasure for the good of moms, especially moms in need. If you've not heard of like the Women's New Life, Access Pregnancy, 
the sisters of life. The sisters of life are awesome. They are women who give their lives, not their money, their lives, to be there for women facing troubled pregnancy. That's their mission in life. So it's, it's a false argument to say, oh, if you're pro-life, you're against women, or if you're pro-life, you're... Stop it. If you're truly pro-life, you're for every single person. And you're there to support them, because it takes a village. It takes a community to care for the value of every human life. And that's what we're here for. We just ask the Holy Spirit to continue to open us to the realities we talk about. Sometimes we, we reduce all these things to, oh, it's just an issue, it's an issue, it's an issue. It's a life. And the role of the family is to welcome life, to accompany life, to protect it, to educate it, to form it. And you notice that the impact of one life on society is huge. Even those we see as like, well, she's handicapped. What could she, could she do? Oh my gosh, the handicapped, the stories? of the impact of the least of our brothers and sisters. It's impressive. And we want to dispel all the erroneous thinking that's really confusing today. And the challenge is to go deeper into each of these issues so that you know what is the teaching, what is not the teaching of our faith that God has revealed to us. Because we know this too, life is not meant to be forever, so at some point there has to be death. But what is my role? especially in complicated situations. We ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and to always walk with us. And may we always confront these issues, whether it's our own situation or someone we know, with a great deal of prayer and support to help them choose, hopefully rightly, to be with them no matter what. Amen? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.